Aloha, and welcome to the Learn to License Your Photos podcast, the show where we teach you how to license your photos so you can earn additional revenue from your photography business. This episode features an interview with Carrie Byrne, who is an architecture and real estate photographer based in Iowa. I originally reached out to Carrie because he had a lot of experience in an area that I didn't. If I'm an expert at proactively licensing my photos, Carrie's an expert at hunting down people that have stolen his photos and making them pay for their copyright infringements. And he's made a lot of money protecting his work. Here is the interview with Carrie Byrne. I started out just like the majority of people, photographing real estate and been migrating away from that into more architecture and interiors for builders, remodelers, interior designers, and so forth. Let's kind of back up a little bit. Um, what kind of led you into that line of work? Did you have other careers or other things that you did before that, or were you always a photographer? Oh, no. Well, I've always been a hobbyist, but I've never done it professionally. And, and uh, to be honest with you, what got me into it was old age. Yeah. So <laughs> t- tell me about that. Like, what other career did you have before, well, and how did you make that transition? Just prior to this, I was... Um, installing and repairing commercial refrigeration equipment. And I was just, it was, it was not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Climbing on roofs in all types of weather mm-hmm. and everything else. So I decided to make a change. And how long ago was that that you started, you know, getting into photography? 10 years ago. Cool. All right, so let's start talking about what we brought you here for, uh, which is these online tracking services. So like I mentioned in the intro, we talked a little bit about this in the course, but if somebody skipped that part, can you just kind of, in your own words, explain what these websites and these online tracking services do? They just look for uses of your photos. Um, they're all different in, in their algorithms, in how they conduct the ser- searches and such. Um, there is no one service that will find each and every one of your infringements. And that's why I use two or three different services. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we can't really go any further talking about the services until we back up and talk about registering your photos with the U.S. Copyright Office. Uh, and I know that's a big thing. We covered that in the course. Um, so can you tell us about your process of registering, you know, why it's important? Well, actually, it, it, it starts before then. Okay. It starts with having a contract or a license agreement or something with your client. Mm-hmm. That's the first part you got to do. And I personally will not schedule a shoot unless the client agrees to my terms. So let me stop you there real quick. Sorry to interrupt. Um, so let's talk about those terms first. Um, is that a contract that you make them sign or have them sign? Uh, what do those terms kind of look like? Walk I do, us through that. I do not make them sign it, but I have written in there that by scheduling with me to photograph a project of theirs and their subsequent use of the photos, constitutes their agreeing to the terms. Got it. And so let's talk about a little bit of those terms. Was that something that you consulted with an attorney or a lawyer for? Did you pull it from somewhere else? Actually, it was several years ago, um, Joel Rothman, who's an IP lawyer out of Florida, wrote a four-part series for the PFRE blog on who owns listing photos. Mm -hmm. And part of that content, he provided a a template that anybody could use and modify it for their own use. Cool. So talk to us a little bit about some of those terms. So you mentioned that, you know, it already says that, um, you know, by hiring you, you agree to these terms. So what are those terms and how does that translate into, uh, you know, the copyright stuff and, you know, the infringement stuff? Well, if it's strictly for real estate, then 
they can use the photos in any and all types of media for the life of the listing. Once the listing sells or that agent no longer has the listing, they lost it or moved to a different brokerage or whatever, the license expires. Got it. Uh, and for more of the commercial side for architects or builders or anything, how does that, uh, those terms change? Uh, I, I grant them perpetual license. Mm -hmm. The only limitation, and it's, and it's the same for, for realtors, is that they're not allowed to share them with third parties. Mm -hmm. Got it. But I don't limit them to how they want to use them. Yeah, makes sense. So um, when you have this agreement in place, uh, what, what in there talks about the copyright? I'm assuming it says that you own them, right? Uh, and so how does that play into you registering them? Because you're saying like before you register, the agreement's in place, right? So how does the uh, terms with your client play into the registration process? It really doesn't. Okay. I mean, I register every photo I deliver, mm -hmm. period. And I won't pu push the shutter button unless there's an agreement in place. Gotcha. Cool. So the agreement's in place. Your client's hired you. You've shot, edited, and you deliver them. You say you uh, register every photo. So um, I know just from the small talk we made when you got in here that you shoot a decent amount. Um, you know, you do real estate, you do uh, interior and architecture stuff. So it seems like you're going to accumulate photos relatively quickly, which means you probably have to register pretty often, right? So how have you kind of made a system so that that goes smoothly and is in your workflow now? Yes, I do quite a bit of volume, not as much as a lot of photographers, but probably next week I'm going to be doing my fifth registration this year. Mm -hmm. um, to manage it, I, I use Lightroom and I use a smart collection within Lightroom. So any photo that's delivered and, and identify it by using a pick flag goes Wait, in a what I'm sorry a pick flag pick flag oh in Lightroom like the little flag thing yeah gotcha okay you know, sorry you I'm, not could, a, I'm not a Lightroom user yeah <laughs> you could also use color label or, right. or numerical value yeah. whatever you wanted to yeah and then I keep an eye on that collection and as soon as I get close to 750 that's when I okay. I know it's time to register yeah so I guess that kind of leads into another question so uh, just to fill in the listeners, if you didn't watch the earlier section, when you register with the U.S. Copyright Office, you're allowed to register up to 750 images at a time. So you're saying that you essentially wait until you get close to that number. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, I. the only time I register sooner, and that's typically at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. um, I'll cut it off at the end of February or the first part of March mm -hmm. because I don't, don't want to take a chance on going beyond the three month grace period mm -hmm. Got to it. be fully protected. Yeah, and so to fill in people uh, on that part, uh, the three month grace period he's talking about, um, essentially when you register with the US Copyright Office, they give you a grace period. So uh, if you shot a photo January 1st and the infringement happens in February, you can still go at the end of February or even beginning of March, register that photo and you're still protected. So that grace period is you know something to keep in mind and so, you know, really good resource in place from the U.S. Copyright Office for us that is definitely super helpful. Right. So moving on to these services now, uh, you mentioned there's several of them, uh, and I'm curious how long you've been using them, and can you explain you know, why it is you use certain ones for certain different reasons? I've only been using them for about a year and a half. Um, I actually started registering my photos beginning of 2017, so every photo that I've delivered 
from the beginning of 2017 up till now has been registered. But I didn't really start tracking them as far as using one of the image protection service until the beginning of last year. Thanks to advice to a friend of mine, Mike Boatman. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started using them. Um, I started out with Pixie alone. I gave Permission Machine and Image Defenders a try. And most recently, I gave Image Rights a try. Now, with these uh, services, I know that each one, like you said, is different. They all have different parameters. They have you know, a free account, a paid account. Um, how did you decide you know, which one was the one for you that I'm going to stick with or that I'm going to you know, pay for, like the upgraded account? Pixie is the one. And I do have a subscription with them where I can upload up to 30,000 okay. photos. Um, and everything that I do register, I upload to Pixie. Okay. So hold on. I want to stop right there okay. just to kind of stay chronological. After you uh, upload your images to the U.S. Copyright Service and you register them, uh, then you go and upload them to Pixie. Is that how you do it? So yes. essentially, I just want to like really kind of get your flow down because I'm really big on like making systems to make things easy and you can you know, do the same kind of thing every time. So you go from the U.S. Copyright Office, take those same gallery of, let's say, 750, and then immediately go upload those to Pixie. Is that how we're doing it? Yes. Got it. Cool. Um, so is there any other tips or tricks on that part of the process that you can give as far as, like, keeping that in your workflow or anything? No. I mean, I just, once I upload them to the, to the Copyright Office, I just turn around and log into Pixie and upload them there. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to the different services, um, you use Pixly mostly, but you've tried other ones. What's been kind of your experience? Like, you know, why did you decide to pick, stick with Pixie? Why did you maybe abandon other ones or stop using them or whatever? The main reason why I stick with Pixie, and I and I probably always will, is with a subscription with their to use their services. I'm free to take an infringement case to attorney of my choice. Mm. I do not have to use their legal services, which means, you know, when there's a settlement, I'm going to get a bigger percentage Mm -hmm. of of the settlement. Um, Pixie, if you use their legal services, I think you're only going to get 50%. Wait, you just said Pixie, you do that. Is that right? Yeah, if you use Pixie's legal services, you're going to get 50%. Where if I take it to an attorney, I'm probably going to get anywhere from 60 to 70% okay. of the settlement. Um, I use image defenders as well, mm-hmm. and you're only going to get 30% from them. Okay, and for them, are you allowed to use a lawyer on your own, or you have to use theirs? You have to use theirs. Got it. Basically, but with if, that one, you don't pay for a subscription, right? right? If, okay. if it's a free service to use their image search services, then... All of them that I've had experience with have first right of refusal mm-hmm. of any infringement. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that means to lay people that may not quite understand that term? Um, you have to use their legal services unless they say, no, we don't want to pursue it. Then you can take it to an attorney on your own. Um, just like, well, image rights is the last one that I tried. Um, they have first right of refusal, but they tell you up front, if they anticipate that a settlement will be for less than $2,000, then you can take it to whoever you want. Mm -hmm. And honestly, 
if the photo's registered, I can't think of a case where a potential settlement would be less than $2,000. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so another big reason, uh, reminder, I should say, of why you should register your photos. Uh, we keep talking about this throughout the course, and make sure you do it because, like he's saying, you know, you're going to get more than 2000 if they're registered. So uh, go register. Um, now, uh, on a Facebook post recently in a private group, you talked about uh, the fact that this year you've been involved in several infringement cases. Um, I would like to get as specific as you're comfortable uh, getting, um, you know, knowing that this is a private community that this video lives in. Um, but, you know, just kind of walk us through some of those cases. Um, you know, let us know whatever details you can, whatever details you're comfortable with, just so that we can have an idea of, you know, the types of photos that are taken, the types of companies or people that take them, the types of places they end up, um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Majority of the infringements that I've found have actually been older real estate photos. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say prior to 2018. Okay. Um, and they're nothing special. I mean, none of them ever hit my portfolio or never would. Mm. Um, and as far as who's using them, it's all over the board. I mean, there was a digital magazine, there was an interior designer down in Texas. Um, I think I've settled with two or three different blog sites. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you mentioned that on the Facebook page. What kind of blog site are we talking about? Because when I think of blog, I typically think of like kind of how I used to blog, which is just a dude in his bedroom that just posts random stuff because I have nowhere else to put it because Instagram didn't exist at the time. So what kind of bloggers are we talking about? There are specialized blogs in there with their subject. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it could be uh, selling their product mm -hmm. um, or promoting a product mm -hmm. or something or a type of house, you know, like farmhouse style mm -hmm. or, or, or something like that. Gotcha. So we're talking about blogs that are kind of a niche industry that are monetized in some kind of way, right? Correct. Got it. Got it. Um, cool. So um, again, if you don't mind, maybe you can walk us through like one particular case. Again, whatever details you feel comfortable, whatever details you're allowed to say, just so again, we kind of have, you know, the start to finish of what a case might look like that you would find on a service like this. Yes, there, there's only one case and, and it's a case that I wrote about in the recent, you know, blog post on PFRE. And this was against a specific type of um, blogger who, you know, targets specific types of homes Typically, initial demand for, you know, settlement from an infringer is going to be anywhere from $4,000 to $15,000 per photo. Mm. This particular case, the, the attorney demanded, well, the, the blogger used 20 of my photos. Mm. And was that on one post or just? One post. Oh, okay. So not randomly throughout the site. Right. Okay. On one post. And... So the initial demand from the attorney was for $44,500. Mm -hmm. Typically, um, settlements come in at 50% of the initial demand, okay. typically. Um, and this case was in, initiated back in January. Mm -hmm. And it was finally settled the end of July. And we settled for a lower amount due to concerns of the pandemic and the collectability of this particular client. Okay. So. 
Nice. Um, so in that uh, Facebook post that kind of you know cued me up to your uh, blog post, um, you did mention some of the money, and you just mentioned this one. And collectively, uh, are you willing to say on this video how much you've gotten over the you know lifetime that you've been doing this? I'll say in the in the past year, I've been able to put almost eighty thousand dollars in my bank. Yeah. And and just to clear up a a myth or or a misconception, you know, a lot of people think that it's only the attorneys who win mm -hmm. in these cases, and that's simply not true. Mm -hmm. I will say that the amount of money that I have received in settlements has been 63% of the total okay. settlement amount. Wow, that's good. And uh, just to clarify, every single one of these cases was an instance where the image was registered with the Copyright Office, is that Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. Okay. And if they had not been, did you ever, you know, have a brief discussion with your attorney that led to like, you know, if they hadn't been registered, this would have happened instead, or you wouldn't have had a case or, or whatever? No, I have not. But um, from what I've been told by Michael Masterson, who runs Permission Machine, mm -hmm. um, he said, generally, if they're not registered, they can still go after it. Mm -hmm. But you're only talking about potentially collecting a few hundred dollars okay. compared to a few thousand. Right, got it. Um, so during this process, uh, you said you use Pixie, you use your own lawyer. Uh, getting that lawyer, how did you go about finding an attorney that was specialized enough in you know, intellectual property and photography and copyright laws? How did you find that person to help you out with these? Again, from Mike Boatman. Okay. He's the one who introduced so, me. Just a referral then? Yeah. Got it. Um, throughout the process, how involved are you in the litigation case? Like once you bring it to the attorney or once, you know, pixie flags that you bring to them, how involved are you on this? Depends on the attorney. Okay. With um, the primary attorney I take my stuff to, involved every step of the way. It's total open communication. Mm -hmm. I've used other attorneys just to do some shopping around. Mm -hmm. And... Um, most of them is like pulling teeth to get any information out of. Mm. And so personally, would do you want to be hands-on? Like, do you want to be involved throughout that whole process? I personally do. Okay, and why I, is that? Make sure they're doing the job. Okay, yeah, fair you enough. You know, basically. Yeah. Fair enough, got you it. Know, have you sent out the initial demand? Has mm -hmm. there been a response? You know, what's the follow-up? Mm -hmm. So on and so forth. Yeah, got it. In fact, the case that, that I did talk about you know, I had to pull teeth to get the final settlement agreement in my possession, mm -hmm. even though I'd already received my money and stuff, but I just wanted to make sure to see this their signature, the, the infringer's signature, that they agreed to what I agreed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. Now, you mentioned uh, the case that you were able to tell us about uh, took from about January to July-ish. Is that kind of typical for that length of time to play out through a case? It's not unusual. Okay. It, it all depends. You know, had a case last year that was initiated in February and it, and it didn't settle till October. Mm -hmm. I've had other cases, you know, for basically a lesser amount um, that have taken a matter of days. Okay. And it varies all the way through. Got it. Um, just because I'm super curious, uh, and in this course we've, you know, tried to be as open as possible. Um, are you able to tell us, you told us kind of the collective amount that you've got. 
Um, are you able to tell us the largest settlement you ever got, like the, the dollar amount on that, just so we can kind of imagine the possibility, so to speak? And if you're not allowed to, that's okay. I don't want to put pressure on you here. Yeah, I, as much as I'd like to, I, I feel uncomfortable doing not that problem. because of NDA. Not a problem at all. Totally understand. Um, so with the services that you use, um, you know, Pixie being the one you use the most often, do you have any kind of little helpful hacks or, or pro tips on somebody that's used this successfully so many times? Like, what can people do, um, you know, to, to help their success rate a little bit more? Use more than one image protection service. Okay. Uh, what I do is, um, like I said before, I initially upload to Pixie. Mm-hmm. Then after six months or so, then I'll upload them to Permission Machine and give okay. them some time to see if they can find any different infringers. Mm-hmm. And real quick, why do you wait six months to, to do that? Because with Permission Machine, if they find it, they have the first right of refuse, right, refusal. Right, okay. Yeah, makes sense. I want first shot at taking it to mm-hmm. an attorney of my choice. Got it. Um, so it's kind of like you're trying out Pixie, and if they don't land anything, then you go there to see if anything else pops up. Is that right? right? Got yes. It. And if Pixie's already identified it, then I don't have to right. use uh, permission machines, yep. legal services. And then after I give permission machine a few months or whatever, then I upload them to image defenders. Got it. And sure enough, you know, Pixie has identified stuff that the other two didn't mm-hmm. and vice versa. The others have picked up what the other two didn't. Yep. Most recently found um, a house flipper in Pennsylvania using one of my photos. And this was actually a photo that never even hit the MLS. Mm. And where did they get it then? I have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. Another question here before we wrap up. How do you decide, you know, when you see a case flagged on Pixie or another service, how do you decide if that's something worth pursuing? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to do research and make sure that you can find contact information on the infringer. Because mm-hmm. if you can't contact the infringer, what's what's the point of And you're doing that research, not your lawyer? I do that. Okay. Initially. Because especially on Pixie, you'll, there's a lot of dead leads mm-hmm. as far as they've identified, um, you know, an infringer, a website or whatever. And it's just a... A junk site. There, there's no way to contact anybody, so there's no sense in pursuing those. Um, of which, I'll say right now, I got over 300 matches on Pixie, mm-hmm. of which 99% of them are not pursuable. Right. That's that's the bad part about Pixie is that you're going to spend some time, you know, looking into it mm-hmm. and see if it is pursuable or not. That's one advantage to using permission machine is that once their algorithm picks up an infringement, then they have people that actually go through and make sure it's a pursuable case mm-hmm. before they give the matches to you. Mm-hmm. Got it. So um, That kind of brought up another question too. Um, so you're the one that's uh, doing the research ahead of time uh, before you bring it to your lawyer. And we talked with a lawyer, uh, Rachel Brenke from the Law Talk, about you know paying fees up front to a lawyer or just paying commission based. So um, I'm sure everybody's different, but I'm curious, your lawyer, how does that work? Like, do you pay them a fee up front? Do you only go on commission based? He charges uh, a contingency fee. Okay. And that's 
paid to him after the settlement. Mm -hmm. In other words, he receives a settlement check from the infringer, mm -hmm. he takes out his fee, mm -hmm. and then sends you the rest. So you're not paying any money up front then? No. Cool. That, that case I discussed in that blog post, mm -hmm. my total expense was $1.60 wow. for that. Yeah. And that was the cost to register the images. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great information. I think we'll uh, wrap up there. So is there any other things that we're leaving out, any other information you want to share with the viewers of this course? Not that I can think of. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for driving out here. Uh, it's been a really insightful conversation to me. Um, I think I'm going to start doing this a lot more often. You know, I, I mentioned in the course that I didn't have a lot of experience with it up to this point, um, but hearing your success and hearing how much money you've been able to secure from these things definitely gets my wheel spinning. Um, you know, for me, part of the uh, part of the reason why I'm almost hesitant to do it is because honestly, like, it puts me in a bad mood. Like when I see the <laughs> the stolen image, when I see the infringement, like it's just this negative energy that I just don't like. But I think I've got to figure out a way to get past that and um, take a dollar signs instead. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I'm gonna have to think <laughs> of the dollar signs uh, because there's lots of them to be had there. So thanks again. Best of luck all with right. all your work and with the infringement cases that you have going thanks. on right now. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. We'll wrap it up right there. I want to thank Kerry again for taking the time to chat and share his experience. I hope you guys got a lot of really useful and valuable information out of that. I know that talking with Kerry got my wheels turning quite a bit, and after recording our interview, I actually paid for a premium account with Pixie and started monitoring Pixie and CopyTrack on a more regular basis. Believe it or not, I was so intrigued that I actually ended up interviewing the CEO of Pixie to get a little more insight into the platform and everything it's capable of. That full interview is available in the Learn to License Your Photos course. You know, I always say that if you can get in front of the issues ahead of time, maybe they won't happen as much down the road. So I encourage you guys to have conversations about licensing and usage with your clients right from the very first day you talk to them. And of course, register your photos with the Copyright Office every quarter. If you want to take your photo licensing to the next level and learn everything I have to share, you can head over to LicenseYourPhotos.com to join the course right now. And go ahead and use a promo code thank you at checkout for 25% off. That's just our way of showing our appreciation for you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Just type in the promo code thank you, all one word, at checkout on LicenseYourPhotos.com and you'll get 25% off. If you found anything in this episode helpful, please consider sharing it with one or two of your photographer friends. If it helped you out, it would definitely help them out, and that'll help out us as well. Thanks for listening. Keep those photo thieves away, and good luck making some sales this week. Mm -hmm.